there, film fans. I'm Jeff. And I'm Dave, and welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we challenge one another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive, Ooh. critical eye. One another. That's right. Well, and to avoid, and to avoid don't make fun any... of my speech impediment. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> to avoid any... <laughs> <laughs> you deserve that. To avoid any lazy negativity, we've decided to make this here episode a drinking game. Anytime we say anything negative about a film, you're going to hear that sound you just heard. We might as well there it is again. play it again for good measure. That sound means we said something negative. So to keep us on track, we got to take a drink. So pour yourselves a glass because I've been on vacation and I'm fucking trigger happy with the buzzer. <laughs> good, good to hear. Dave has been away visiting his uh, the motherland, visiting the Australia motherland. for the first yes. time in a number of years. And I came back. I survived. You made it back. A little jet lagged, I'm sure. We're going to talk a little bit more about your trip and all of the plane movies you saw and just sort of like a potpourri of other content and recommendations in a mini episode that we're going to release this week. But to tease that, you watched a ton of movies. I saw that you saw you you typed Belfast, Lost City, Mitchell's vs. the Machines, Resident Evil, Welcome Dude, to Raccoon Dude, give away City. the episode. All right. Well, if, if people want to sing to, we're going to talk Severance. If it's people want to hear what I watched on the plane. And gravity. How would it, how was it on the plane? And then all of these kind of things. We're going to rapid fire a lot of them in a mini episode that we'll release later this week. Please stay tuned for that. But let's today. just get into yeah. Let's <laughs> let's get into let's get into today. I just hit my microphone. So we are going to be talking about Crimes of the Future, the movie that begs the question: What is the strangest sex scene you've ever seen? <laughs> uh, <laughs> This is a movie that says bodies in bedroom freezers, totally fine. Pain is virtually eliminated. Surgeries are so easy to do that they can be performed publicly. Sanitation is not a concern and nobody cares about cleanliness. It's a little graphic. It's sort of horror. It's sort of melancholy. And Dave... I, you, my finger was on the trigger there, man. You walked the I line on that. I thought, I thought you were hit, I thought you were hitting it, and I didn't. No, none that. of what you said was wrong or negative. It was that, like that's exactly what it is. Well, I'm glad that you're back, Dave, because suiting to this movie, I know that you've said many times that you are not very good at the old sex. <laughs> so <it's good. laughs> okay, that's crossing the line. <laughs> So it's good to have you back in the new modern future where surgery is sex. Or is it sex is surgery? Hmm. Is sex, sex is surgery? No, surgery is the new sex, as said by Kristen Stewart's character in this film. Who thought Kristen Stewart was going to play a weird character? Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I just I felt the sarcasm in there. She's, of course, she's coming off her Oscar nomination for playing Princess Diana in Spencer. But if you've been following her career in the last five or six years, she's definitely been doing a lot of indie indie films, playing a lot of different types of characters. She actually replaced Natalie Portman in this car- in this movie here. So this is very this is David Cronenberg. Well, that I did not know that. That would have been interesting. Yeah, I saw that. Um, this is David Cronenberg. This is his first movie that he's directed in eight years, apart from a short film that he co-directed with his daughter, Kate Cronenberg, who is an up-and-coming filmmaker and has been a set photographer, a still photographer on sets for the past 20 years or so. David Cronenberg, of course, started out making short films and TV movies in the 60s and 70s in that great period of filmmaking with, you know, your Spielbergs and your Lucases and et cetera, et cetera, in that time period. And then quickly got into the horror bizarre stuff, I think most popularly in the 80s with The Fly, 
as well as mm. um fuck i always forget the name of that that jeremy irons movie where he plays twins um oh yeah did, i forgot that as well i have it in front of me and i, I still mean, forgot the, it uh, dead ringers dead ringers the, the fly is like my go-to Yep. So this is so he, this is his first film that he's written since 1999. He actually does have another movie called Crimes of the Future, which came out in 1970, which has nothing to do with this film. Completely different not. plot. This film was actually supposed to star Nicolas Cage in nine, in 2002 or so, and for a different title, completely different stuff. And then he shelved the script, and his producer said, "Hey, I think that movie that you wrote that script to, I think you should reread your own script." And David Cronenberg said, no, nah, I don't want to make movies anymore. He's 79. And the guy said, I think that's actually more relevant today than it ever was. We're going to explain why in a little bit. But yeah. this is Crimes of the Future. This is his fourth movie with Viggo Mortensen in a leading role after Eastern Promise- Promises. Mm. Um, you know, when you're uh, onto something good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, always fuck, I always fuck this up and there's no reason for it for me to do that. Eastern mm. Promise. <laughs> Help there's me out. Now. What is it? <laughs> A Dangerous Method, and... I haven't seen uh, that Easter Promises is a Dangerous Method and a History of Violence, of course. So this mm-hmm. is the fourth movie with Vigo. And Leah Seydoux. Leah Seydoux and Vigo play sort of co-artists who live together, and there's definitely some speculation about their relationship, but there's definitely the heart between the two of them that pumps this movie. Leah Seydoux, this movie premiered at Cannes, and apparently Leah Seydoux is a movie at Cannes every year. I didn't know that. But this year, she was crowned like the darling of she's, Cannes. Cause she's, she's like Jack Nicholson, who used to get the like the front row center seat at the Oscars every at year. The Oscars, just, yeah. yeah, it's so like, it, it just Leah gets a, a film every year at Cannes. But they're like, he said, I'll go anytime Billy Crystal hosts. And they said, yeah. good, he's going to host every year. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, that's the Bring that's your Billy. leading cast. There are, there are other awesome actors as well. <laughs> Bring back Billy. That's that's a shout out to our um, Everything Everywhere All at Once episode. <laughs> uh, a lot of things are streaming that we've done, so please check out our feed. Men is going to be streaming soon. The Northman is on Peacock. Fucking The Outfit, which we loved, is on Peacock, so check yes. out that. And sorry, I'm, I'm yapping. Anything else? Anything Cronenberg? Anything big picture related before I get into the plot and we dive into this film? No, let's, let's, let's do it. Let's, uh, I will say, though, I was impressed AMC conveniently screened my film right next to the toilets and as i walked up i've seen the theater door and the toilets and i'm like how many people are they expecting to chunder during this because like, i'd heard it was graphic and oh to be honest there, there wasn't as much gore as i expected by a long shot you're right we saw i'm guessing you're talking about theater number two at amc's lincoln square i was theater 11 in uh times square Oh, right, right. I forgot you do the Times Square screenings. Um, yeah, mine was also next to the bathroom. Though. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually so close to the bathroom. I haven't been that close to the bathroom ever, I don't think, at AMC. So, yeah, like this this movie has a certain amount of legend associated with it. It's like it's Cronenberg. It must be like gore. Uh, there is nowhere near. This is, this is very dialogue-driven yeah. rather than, yeah. There's some, there's some moments. There's some moments, yeah, which we'll get to moments. in a second. There are some moments. Nothing it's I looked re- away. Nothing I was like, it's not like, you know, because like I sat all the way through this. I can't watch the Jackass movie the whole way through, for fuck's sake. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm with you. Well, the Jackass, I mean, that is you you watch these people and you you go. That's right. Nobody- I just compared Cronenberg to Jackass. It's <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. Um, so we're gonna try to keep it spoiler free for a couple minutes, but this isn't one of those I don't think this is gonna end up being one of our episodes where we really discuss the plot and story as much. Of course we will a little bit, but Definitely, there's like a feel with this movie. There's a mood, there's tone, there's implications. There's a lot there's more. The vibe. To, 
Yeah. There's a vibe. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's probably going to be the bulk of our discussion. But that we was will for see. the Australian listeners, that one. <laughs> the vibe, yeah. Um, so anyway, I'll read the the plot description. We'll give you our initial takeaways. And then, you know, when we decide that it's time to get into some spoilers, we'll go ahead and spoil some things. But and for that um, guy that left the comment on our YouTube, we're into the movie at eight minutes this time. So we're doing better. We took the note. <laughs> oh, no. What, what movie was it? <laughs> Oh, I, do you I, remember can't, I can't remember which one that was. I think it was, might have been Everything Everywhere All at Once. And I yeah. said that. I said that at the beginning. I said, we're going to be talking about the Oscars. If you don't give a shit about the Oscars, just skip ahead, skip ahead. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, so here's a, here's a little... Helpful. Here's a little here's a little plot summary for the David Cronenberg written and directed 2022 film, Crimes of the Future, currently in limited release, but hopefully by the time you hear this episode, it will have gone national. Um... Humans adapt to a synthetic environment with new transformations and mutations. With his partner Caprice, Saul Tenser, Vigo Mortensen, celebrity performance artist, publicly showcases the metamorphosis of his organs in avant-garde performances. Dave, we'll start with you. What are your initial takeaways of uh, crimes? You leaned of in, I had no idea how many P words were in that description. <laughs> there are, <laughs> yeah, public... <laughs> Publicly performing <laughs> with his partner. I'm, I'm not. I'm not depopping that. Uh, <laughs> that's gone through. What did I think? Yeah. I when I like when we said we're doing this this week, I was like, ah, oh, fuck me. I, I really don't want to go and see this. It's it's <laughs> You're just back from it, it, yeah. It's like I've just come back from holiday. This came across in everything. Everything that was released described it as torture porn almost. So it was like you know there's going to be surgeries on screen and there's all this stuff. Boy, was everything and me wrong interesting um i went into this in a terrible mood i was like all right let's just get through this i watched it be- just before i went to work this morning so mm-hmm. like i had a late call luckily so i, I snuck into the movies my theater was it was very small and intimate and the- there were maybe i want to say 15 people in it and the most amazing thing is this was not a marvel movie and every single person sat there and watched the credits and listened to the nice. music at the end oh, of yeah. it. so they- it was a like everyone who was there was like hardcore there because they liked the films that Cronenberg makes, which are definitely unique. Mm-hmm. I was pleasantly surprised. I, I kind of like I was expecting and I'm waiting for it. And then when the first surgery happened, I was like, oh, that's not so bad. You know, it's like when you go to get a blood test and you get all freaked out and then they're like, oh, that's not so bad. And then you faint. But uh, I didn't faint. Um, apparently a couple of people almost did it that can't. But I actually found myself like enjoying this and not just enjoying this, but being interested in where it was going next. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, but I will warn you, not everyone is going to respond to this film in a positive way. Some people are going to go in there and go, what is this piece of shit? Cause they just like, it's not for them. They don't get it. They have to like, a lot of people like to go to the movies as an escape and they don't want to think they just want to sit down and pay their, like, you know, 87 bucks. And, just sit there and enjoy. Well, if you take a family, yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, it's true. and just sit there and tune out for a minute, and you know, look at the pretty colors and get entertained. You are going to hate this. So this is not <laughs> for you. This is for this is for people who want to think about this, what they're watching. People who want to analyze what they're watching. If if you like something that you can sink your teeth into and really think about, I think I feel like people are going to want to see this. Those people are going to want to see this. Great, I love that. Hmm. Um. Really quick, the music is by Howard Shore, who has apparently oh. done. He's apparently chore, he's choreographed. He's apparently composed a lot of music with David Cronenberg. Because my first thought when I saw that in the credits, because I also stay for the credits, is 
Boy, Howard Shore has gotten weird since Lord of the Rings. Did you, <laughs> did you at one point just close your eyes and listen to the music? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. The music was yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. There were a couple I, times I didn't fall where... asleep during the movie. I was just... <laughs> no, there I was talking couple... about during the credits. <laughs> That's hilarious. I actually... But during the movie, there were a couple times where I sort of like... My mind just like wandered for a minute. But it didn't... I wasn't thinking about like... Gee, did I leave the iron on? I was thinking, you know, I don't know. Like, the, it did just sort of take me it's away. Sort of like, where bit. is this going next? Like, this is a thinker. Like, they definitely do not spell out developments. You, you have to pay attention, otherwise, you're going to miss so much stuff that when it finally gets to resolve, they don't resolve everything. Yeah. So it's your job to pay attention so that you can fill in the gaps of what they don't resolve. I found. Yeah. That was my this experience. Is, this is this is another one of those films where I read a couple reviews before this knowing that I, it wasn't going to change my opinion like i did feel confident about that you know sometimes mm. you read a review and you can't help yourself you're like yeah fuck i didn't think about that like i knew that wasn't going to change for me and it's abstract enough this movie is um it's i don't even want to say stylized or any or stylistic or anything because it's 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 not horror although david cronenberg gets associated with horror a lot but mm. it's it's i mean he does it well yeah they always say he subverts the horror genre. And if you ask him, and I listened to an interview that he gave, he's like, I don't think about genre at all. Not for one second do I think about genre. So <laughs> I guess that's, big thing that's, a, that's a pretty easy way of subverting a genre is you're not thinking about it at all. And then people go, whoa, that wasn't horror at all. And you're like, what? Yeah. Um, so Dude, anyway. I want to see a Cronenberg cyberpunk movie, to be honest. <laughs> well, maybe he's back. I he wasn't like going to make I movies like anymore. I nail but... that. I'm calling it now. I want a Cronenberg cyberpunk movie. I didn't know that he was offered uh, Return of the Jedi. It was like right in his speech. But the fly was 86, but he had wow. like he had like four movies between 79 and 81. Like really quick. Bang, yeah. bang, 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 bang. He was bang. offered it. And then he came in with his director's brief and they're like, yeah, no. Uh. <laughs> yeah, they're like, he turned it down. It's like, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, I, I, but back to this film, back to Crimes of the Future. I, I actually do agree with you. It was, it's so bizarre. And the exposition was done in such an interesting way in that it opens not with our main characters, but it opens with a crime of the future. Ha ha ha. Who would have thought? But apart from that, like the title, Crimes of the Future, it's not even something that I thought about during this movie. You know, maybe you go into mm. this with expectations because Crimes of the Future, like it almost sounds like Minority Report, like if you were to know nothing about the film. Yeah. Um, just by the title. And I mean, the crime was a <laughs> was a strangulation or a, um, a suffocation. So not exactly like I a mean, futuristic was that crime. Because several crimes happened throughout this. There were there were definitely crimes, um, <laughs> but there's just so much that's involved in this, and all of the metaphor and implications. This is near oh future. God, yeah. This is. This is dystopia. Cronenberg in his interview said uh, global warming. I almost didn't even catch that. Apart from mm. just the natural like. We're, we're, everything's brown and just all this like dystopian future stuff where it looks like everything's oh. desolate, but technology exists. It's, no, no. It's almost like if you look at the phone she's holding, like in the first scene, this woman's holding a phone and it's an mm -hmm. old brick phone. Yeah. Like it's almost like mankind abandoned technology and went yeah. backwards. It's weird. Yeah. And yeah. It, yeah. It's, I, I was like, that's a really good take on the future. Like this, the, it, the, like the stuff that you're talking about were like the, like when they cut to the, like the shipyard scene, there's all these ships just beached and abandoned <laughs> and stuff like that's like the production design. And this is someone put fucking love into that. Oh, but the, all, the whole entire, every single room, apparently this is all done in Greece and it was done in a kind of mm -hmm. a single site. They yeah. did most of this filming. Um, 
I don't know why Greece. Apparently, the Canadians are pissed that David Cronenberg doesn't film in Canada anymore or cast Canadians. But you know, what do you well, want? No, he. I mean, he did take some of their money. <laughs> he did. So. so hopefully, hopefully they make it back. So if you haven't yeah. seen this movie yet, give Canada some money, people, by going and supporting David Cronenberg's Crimes of the Future. Anyway, um, they're like, hey, you took our money. Sorry. So there's so much to discuss. Yeah. Inner beauty, what that means, evolution, technology, good or bad. Mm. Um, this is, I saw in one review, I will I will point this out just because I think it verbalizes something I was thinking well is, as I, was, I think I said this a second ago when I was talking about, it's not necessarily horror, but there's a melancholy to it. That's, oh, yeah. And I actually think that's part of the reason that it's digestible is because um, it's not graphic to shock. There's There's this sort of softness to this, it's an intimacy it's like yeah. again they make the cutting a little just a little bit sexual and another thing that that this is actually in the new york times i give them credit which is um it feels like a requiem it feels like a, mm. and maybe there's metaphor to that i know there's a whole autopsy thing that we'll get to in a second but maybe this is an autopsy of us like in as a requiem i i don't know there's just a lot of things it's, to unpack well i mean i think one of the things i liked uh, well i don't know if i liked it i'm still thinking about it and that's <laughs> i guess that mission accomplished for that but there were a lot of reveals that moved the plot along that seemed to have no setup or foreshadowing like you just it, something was just revealed yeah. and some of them seemed to move a different plot thread than the scene started with so the, like, the scene is going down one way and suddenly something's revealed that affects another thread two scenes ago. And I can't figure out whether that was sloppy or genius. I'm going to guess genius. I think sometimes I, these... I think so, yeah. Sometimes we, we talked about this with the with both the Northman. thinking about it. <laughs> we talked about this with the Northman. You weren't around for our uh, men episode because you were abroad. But like sometimes yes. we, when you're in the hands of masters, if, if they don't succeed to your, you know, to your um, sensibilities, fine. But... They, they don't, they don't blow their shot. I don't mean to make a sexual reference there because it's weird surgery. But anyway, like they don't, they don't rush to market. This movie is David Cronenberg's like what fiftieth movie, and mm. he had it took him three years to get money, and he wrote the script originally in two thousand. So there's no stone unturned in this, you know. So like this is the movie that he wanted to make, and it was all intentional. If it doesn't click with you, that's fine. But there are so many things like that where things start unpacking and unraveling the, the beauty pageant thing. I was like, oh, I thought I was going to get worried about that, but I just, for some reason, didn't even think about the fact that like Kristen Stewart's character is technically a part of the government. Cause this is so dystopian that the office of organ transplants shit. Would you organ, remember the name of the office? registration? Oh, they, oh yeah. You had to register your new organs because people are developing yeah. new organs. In fact, Viggo Mortensen is like famous for developing new organs yeah. and having them removed in public as in a public surgery, just like the old days, there's very like future and meets past. Like in the past, I, with I, the old surgeries, I feel where you like had Casio all those doctors. could get a sponsorship deal on this. <laughs> yeah, but like the way that you used to watch that was bad. The, that was so the, bad. The way that you used to watch the doctors would watch surgeries because they didn't film anything, you know, a hundred years ago. Hmm. That's that's almost the, the look of this, even though these surgeries are happening in the future. It looks very, you know, past tense in, in a way with that. So anyway, long story short, I didn't even know that they were in the government. So all of a sudden, these things are unraveling. And halfway through the movie, I'm like, holy shit, there's government conspiracy going on. And the cops aren't well, part of it. And like, that's it's the thing. There's, there's three story threads in this. There's like his story thread. And then there's the the government department story thread. And then there's the, uh, the, the chair repairman because he has pain at night and has to sleep in the special chair to compensate for his pain. And there's this company that makes these chairs and that compensate for the pain while you're sleeping because uh, most humans don't feel pain at all, but he feels it at night right. for some reason. And he feels it when he's eating. 
And so he think- has two special devices to compensate for that. It's it's a very interesting universe that he built. So before we un- completely unpack it, because we're still mm. technically not in the spoiler section, the believe spoilers. it or not. No. But, um, but do you think, because he's not the only character in this film that we see needing help to digest, meaning there's a chair that literally takes their torso and wiggles it around to like help the food go down. And Vigo obviously has the throat thing going on. So you can see that there's been surgery. There's been some kind of trauma, even though they don't really feel pain. That's why they can just have surgery. They don't even need anesthesia. They just cut themselves up. And there's no, they, they, they mentioned this, there's no infections. So that's why they don't need sanitation. They can just cut somebody open right in the middle of the public and, and they people do. can be like, and people can be <laughs> sneezing and barfing or whatever on the back actually nobody barbs because they're also used to this yeah uh, but um in fact they're all standing around filming it that's yeah, yeah. that's not even a spoiler the, the reason that i that i like these kinds of movies and, and they're happening I, I think they're happening more and more maybe it's just that we keep being drawn to them but they they aren't meant to be structured in the classical sense so john and i talked about top gun which top gun was a perfectly structured yes i use the word perfectly structured it's a very good movie i don't know if you've seen it yet dave not yet it's a perfectly structured summer blockbuster movie it has not that not that there's only one way to do that but it has it has answers it has multiple storylines and subplots and it has heart but and it has action that's you know all the all the usual stuff that you would need in this kind of movie the implications of what humans have done to ourselves to compensate for pain what ends up happening is we eliminate pain, aka we eliminate it's, that aspect of humanity, it's the and we evolve compartmentalization. Yeah, so it's basically like it off. we go from Advil to opium to whatever to plastics to synthetics, and then all of a sudden we we have shut off part of which makes us human for the sake of feeling safe, secure, healthy, whatever. And they don't need to beat that on the head. They can just sort of let us think about that. And yeah. if you don't want I to mean, think they, about that, then maybe even, you won't like this movie that much. They but. do even briefly mention that like pain is the instinct that helps you feel safe. Like it, it keeps you safe. Mm-hmm. I forget which character says that actually. Um, I think it was Vio. Yes. And, and I, I'll reiterate, I said this a second ago, but what's really important about this bleak melancholy future is that what really is at the center of this movie is this heartbeat that's really shared between Leah Seydoux and Viggo Mortensen to the point where mm. they're having very banal conversations, but there's like tears in their eyes. Like there's some weird connection they have to each other where it's almost like the last bastion of human connection is that innate like gravitational pull between people, whether they're in love, whether it's sexual, I don't know what their relationship is. And I saw this movie, but like there's something about that, that, Basically, not to jump ahead too much to what happens near the end, but it's okay to to evolve because that will go with you almost. You know what I mean? Like, did, mm. do you get what I'm saying? I'm, I'm totally speculating because I don't have any answers. I don't know here, if but... this is an example of where humanity's heading. Heading, I'm out. <laughs> well, yeah, and th- this is not. I should buzz you, but, but it, fuck, man, I mean, that is no. Yeah, but no, I mean, I mean that as in this is a cautionary tale almost. Mm-hmm. It's like we've been using satire the word a lot too on this episode on the show. This is not a satire. This really is just like yeah, a, the, like if if anything, it's it's black satire. Yeah, maybe as in maybe, maybe. like yeah, dark, dark, dark satire. And and I agree with you about the graphic thing. First of all, the the um the Leah Say do like the one time that it, it really is very sexual and there's nudity. They're probably it's probably prosthetic, um, but it is. There's something about the way they film it. Even like the, the the blocking of these scenes. It's so, it's it's like the the playbook is thrown out. 
you know? Mm. But for some reason, it's it's consistent throughout the film in such a way that's like, it, it's, it works. I feel like it was, like a lot of it was mostly prosthetic because there was yeah. a prosthetics visual effects company listed and then there was one other visual effects company listed. So it was, I feel like they were just there for the lasers and shit like that and, you know, the scene extensions, set extensions and stuff like that because I feel like a lot of this was practical. But you've made, you've made movies, you know, know how for this sure yet, works, but, but yeah. Cronenberg said that there is CG in this movie and there's puppetry. So maybe some of it is... Um... I mean, the arms with the knives were definitely puppetry. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the organs are. I don't know if they green screen CG or if that was puppetry or if that was prosthetics or whatever. If that was CG, I need to learn how to do that because that was squishy <laughs> yeah. and shiny like I've never seen before. So like if CG did that, yeah. they nailed it. Probably not. But isn't that the, the classic thing, right? Like with these kind of movies where you put like a green belly and then, you you know, I, I don't know. Hmm. You would know, you would know yeah. better than me. I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like that was most likely more practical. I've, I, like, I've been in a play that did that live. So yeah, yeah, they, it is possible, very, very possible to do that practically. Um, should we turn the spoiler alert on? Yeah, well, the last thing I'll say is just there is a little plot, which is this boy is is killed, and there's a confession that it was done by the parent, and you do see this crime early on in the movie, and that it's it's hard to watch, but luckily it sets the actually eating him eating the pail, him eating the pail is even harder to watch That's for ter- me. That than, was terrifying. That I was really like. It really gets off to a strange start, but really, I was like, like if this is the first five minutes, where are they going from here? But luckily, they keep it consistent. Like, it's, and the kids, pl- and it's really opens with a kid playing with rocks outside with a ship that is overturned. So I was like, is this a shipwreck? Like, what the fuck happens? Is it you just know the pure thing that, metaphor? The, and looking on a cruise ship, the first thing I noticed, <laughs> all of the lifeboats are still on it. So no, wow. nobody escaped that ship. That's it detail. went down, and everyone died. Like that is, the lifeboats are still in place, hanging on the side of the ship. That is detail. Also, it's very close to shore. So anyway, wow, shit, that is yeah. detail. Anyway, so the, the, the mom murders the son because he, um, well, it's not, we, whatever, it we, happens we're in the beginning. We're no, in spoilers. We're well, anyway, no, But anyway, it should be, it's good to know that there is some plot that Vigo and um, absolutely a plot. Lisa and it, gets into it's, it. But. It's almost like playing a game of when are they going to get back to that? Because everything that happens has a reason. Yeah. Like the, that does move the plot forward or one of the three plots that kind of happen throughout this. <laughs> um, but it's not always the plot you think is moving forward. And they do come together and explain it all at the end. Uh, but sometimes it's, it's a little bit of a find the red queen game where they're switching the plot around. It's like, this is happening, but it's advancing this plot over here. And that's yeah. the part of that. I was like, is that shoddy or is that genius? And it, yeah, no, that's you're right. right. It's fucking genius. I think it has to be. Well, let's let's go ahead and turn the spoiler. Um, We're going to spoilers. Everybody, get off the treadmills and find yeah. this wherever it's screening. <laughs> That's for the the shaded my dad, <laughs> who uh, will not be listening to this episode because I doubt he'll see this movie anytime soon. Oh, he might listen to it anyway. I don't think he'll go and see the movie, but he might listen to it. <laughs> we'll see if he makes it. Dad, thanks for yeah. listening. Yeah. Um, okay, so spoiler section i've been away for a couple of weeks i had to give him some shade (laughs) (laughs) yeah dad been up the hook okay um where should we go from here should we go do we do you want to get to the ending do you want to do you want to unpack some more of those plot details that you talked about do you want to talk more about these themes the inner beauty the sex surgery stuff you've got you've got three main plot lines that move through this there's the the kid that's murdered at the beginning who comes back into the storyline and then there's the autopsy there's like vigo's transition like his his moving forward to like you find out that he's an undercover for the cops, which is almost a separate plot in itself, but that's his his storyline. 
Did they announce that or do we just imply that by him being like an informant that would meet up? No, he actually says I like they have a whole discussion about undercover at that yeah. first the first shipyard scene. The first it was the first um, one. Okay. And they, but it's revealed just out of the blue and it's like cuz she says something to him about like he asks him all those questions about does she know that he's undercover? Mm-hmm. Um which leads right. obviously to the conclusion of the film. Um but and then there's the the side story of the the people who have mutated to become plastic eaters Which and is, they eat yeah. the plastic waste. And immediately this strikes me as, Oh my God, that's a perfect solution to every problem we have ever right now. Um, and it's a natural point of evolution, but a, that's counterpoint to the, his undercover thing where he's trying to stop them because mm-hmm. the plastic eaters are unnatural and the plastic eaters are something different. Does this sound familiar to anyone? <laughs> Um, yes. Was that two? Yeah. Was that was that the third plot? Kind of, yeah. The plastic eater thing is the the third plot that, yeah. and it all comes together at the end, and it does all come together at the end. Like so they don't they don't leave any threads hanging. So according to Cronenberg in the in the um, in his interview that I listened to, the microplastics element was and global warming were like the first two major themes that that this producer was like, this is why it's so relevant, because not only does the the character the the, the father of the son. I forget all their names. They have weird names. Yeah. Um, the, the father of the son Forgive said, uh, he said, um, <laughs> why the fuck can't I think of what he said? He said um, that he, that this is, this is the answer to evolution that humans have to evolve with technology in, if we don't want to become obsolete. But at the same time, it's also an answer to our waste problem. That I mean, they, do, you, do you think they were taking a shot at governments that are basically writing policy of some technology is going to come along that's going to fix this and just kicking the can down the road? Do you think that was a shot at that? Because that's what, like, that's what we're doing, obviously. It's like, I, it's, like there's going to be some technology that will fix the problem before we get to the danger zone, not realizing we've already kind of slipped into it. Shot at government's interesting. Well, one thing that is, is noticeable is that there are no corporations at all that they mention. Or, or did, there's I, no... did I just write my own agenda into the film? No, no, that's, no, no because it, what, I would, what I would say is what, what I read into it wasn't a shot at government necessarily, but it was more so like humans are going to suffer the consequences of government action. Who I don't even know if governments exist in this, even though we know that there's the office of the Oregon registration mm-hmm. and that with our police yeah. and he's undercover, but like we don't really see them that we don't see a police presence on the street. You know, the police dress in normal clothes. Like yeah, it all seems see very one casual. Detective, yeah. That's it. So I, I just kind of saw it as like, we have to be the answer to this, to our own problems that we created uh, and we have to do it on our own, which is why these plastic eaters, they're like, hmm. we're the only ones that are going to survive. We're the only ones that are going to evolve. And the fact that this boy did, even though he was kind of a freak, it was also a miracle because that is the future. If you can eat a plastic pail or eat all of the fucking plastic off the coast of California, you're probably well, yeah, going to have the, a better 200 years. The thing the size of Texas in the middle of the ocean. Exactly. So yeah. That, that's, yeah, that's what I was saying. So, um, so anyway, again, back to like what I was saying before about this movie. So, some, if you think the plot's a little thin or if you think the metaphor is too on the nose, that's what this movie's doing. It's really introducing all of these things in a very artistic way. I even love the artistic implications yeah. of like the guy with the ears. It's like, well, that's just for show because the ears don't work. We want art yeah. like, like what Vigo has where that's like a real organ that was produced that might even have a function someday. It might produce new hormones. And it's like that is special because it's practical and it serves a purpose. This whole idea of everything has to have a 
purpose and meaning. You know, it's like, oh my there god, it's just so there's so much that's left to interpretation in this movie. And like, I mean, I'm sure there's interviews where he tells you what he meant. I don't think he will. There is. I, mean, I don't think. I don't think. I really won't. don't think he will. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> not not specifically. I'm sure he'll sit there and, and say like, that. yeah, global that. warming is real and microplastics is something I didn't think we. I'm glad that people understand that it's a problem. Um, and I hope they don't think that this is the future. <laughs> I mean, considering we're full of microplastics now, are those guys going to start eating people? Well, that's the thing too, is that we're, all, yeah, like th- th- all these questions, I, I think he, I'm glad they make that a, they make a reference to cannibals at some point. There are cannibals. Um, well, th- that's what they think the plastic eaters are, but actually they're mm. But would they eat humans if humans become plastic? I don't know, man. Like, oh my it's... god! There's, yeah, there's so many like possible horrendous futures. Predicted. Why? Why is it that the dad of the son can't clean his apartment, but he has a freezer that can house a body? Like the money he spent on that, he could have spent on a maid. You know what I mean? Like, why does he have this freezer? Technology is so strange in the future. Everything looks like shit in this. It looks like it looks like seven. You know, or, or something weird like that. It like, it kind of like well, that's the thing. The um, like the exterior sets look usually fantastical and rundown. It's like the technology that man's abandoned, and then you got those smaller, rundown, intimate set pieces that kind of look like all the interiors from Blade Runner. Interesting, very interesting. Like the paints peeling, nothing's like nothing's been maintained. Nothing's been maintained. No, no yeah. No. Mankind has just given up on aesthetics at this point. Well, speaking of mankind giving up on, on aesthetics, what do you think about the anthropomorphic nature of technology? A lot of the okay, technology. That's fair. I used a big word. You should too. <laughs> I well, I didn't know how else to say it, so I was like, "What, what else are you gonna say?" But anthropomorphic meaning like there's everything's animalistic. Like surgery is, and also not only is it animalistic, it's not the animals that we tend to love are like the softer in nature, uh-huh. or or something that seems like it could be in the wild. We hate. Um, anything that's like a pod, anything with an exoskeleton is just like not yes. for us. But everything in this movie is like very cockroach-like like or, yeah. or li- lizard-like or something like that. Even the surgical device, the fact that it looks like a fucking beetle is getting a massage. You know, it's like, I don't know how that works. I don't know what the lights are. The, the beds, yeah. the beds that they're in, the one that's meant for an autopsy. It's all very like bony and very like animalistic. Like what the, hmm. what the fuck do you think was going on with that? Do you have any idea? Um, I feel like they they were kind of like mankind it, to maintain has abandoned a sense of beauty. But they've mm. just become purely functional no matter how bad it looks. And that's just my takeaway. That's not I'm not the, I don't know if any filmmaker meant that like if he meant that or anything. Anyone in the production design team, I don't know what they meant, but I feel like mankind just went there for survival. And it was like, I'm, I'm in pain overnight. I need this thing. This thing looks like this. I have it. Like, I don't care what it fucking looks like. Just stop me hurting. To piggyback right off of that, and to stop me hurting, of and, course, and they don't feel pain that's, in this. And that's almost an opioid reference. And you know what? I'm sure they thought about opioids. I don't business. care what it does to me. Just stop me hurting. I mean, yes, 100%. Ding, ding, ding. I think that's, I think you just hit it right on the, the head right there. To, to piggyback right off of what you said right there, um, the idea of inner beauty, right? The idea mm. of... Um, oh, yeah, that was, a, that was a quick throwaway, that one. I was... 
so for instance, I, I said the ear, the ear dancer guy. So he basically has ears all over his body. He's got like 30 ears um, and they're actual real ears. I don't know if they were grown or attached. I don't know, but um, you see this and they sew his mouth and his eyes. And there's like this, it's a performance art piece that almost mm. looks like it's in like a rodeo or something or a Coliseum, like a mini in like arena sized Coliseum or something. And with his eyes and mouth closed, I think it's a, he it's androgynous. Um, he starts doing this dance with the ears everywhere. And it's very bizarre, weird dance with voiceover. And honestly, I would say it's actually kind of darkly, strangely beautiful to use that word because then Saul is approached by somebody who says, this isn't really good art. It's not very good. The ears don't work. It's kind of weird looking. And Saul's kind of like, yeah, that's, that's right. That's the cool. The minute they said the ears don't work, I was like, hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. <laughs> All right. Making the connection. Yeah. So anyway, this like, this idea that what Saul does is more interesting because they cut him open and it's real. They really see yeah, what's going on in the inside of his body. Even though he's taking these new organs that he's grown and just cutting them out. And they, they talk about that in the movie. They're like, you're not even keeping them to see how it changes you as a human. The whole point here is evolution. Evolution is the key to survival. And all that really matters is, is who you are in the inside, what you look like, which I think goes back to the Leah Du and Viggo Mortensen, like the way they look at each other. It's like, that is an expression of their inner beauty. So, but yeah. like, can you go too far with that? You know, like, are we, we're obviously they are suggesting that our culture right now is too obsessed with outward beauty or, or you know, what we perceived beauty, but like what, what's, what's inside counts more, but can we go too far with that? Is this an example of taking that too far? I think that's a pretty interesting conundrum that they bring. Oh my God. There's so much. <laughs> you could have a six hour discussion on this film. We're not cause like <laughs> time, but you, yeah, it's, uh, there is so much thrown out here in, like I walked out of this thinking a lot up on the escalator because if anyone's ever been to the AMC uh, at Times Square, it, there's a lot of escalators to get out. And I was just typing notes. People are walking past me, like squeezing past me because it's like a single row escalator. I'm just mm. typing notes. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I'm, I'm going to think about this. <laughs> it, it, this really made me think about a lot of stuff. Same, same. And did, but did you feel in the theater too? Because I did feel, but I also, I was like, you I didn't, after I got through the first one or two, the first time they removed his organ, the first public, um, well, yeah, because we didn't really see too much of like the um, the cameras on the inside of him. Mm. Remember that they had those little camera things. But yeah. the first, so the 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 boy it was more eating about the their reaction to what was happening. It took me a they second kept with it hidden. Yeah, yeah, they did a good job. The boy eating the pail, the suffocation was was disturbing for sure and then <coughs> the first sorry <laughs> i'll just buzz, I'll just buzz myself in that. the boy eating the uh no i already said that the first public art show where you that he cuts out the new organ um those ones were a little they got me a little queasy but all the other ones not See, so I much even the, fine with that it was like i thought i was gonna like i was expecting way worse to be honest me but too even the cutting and everything it was it was a case of they kind of made that a background thing somehow, and I don't know how they did it. You're right. You're right. I don't know how he got me in the position by that point that this was fine. Maybe it was Vigo wearing those monastic robes all the time because he was so weak and <laughs> decrepit. He's wearing these I, robes. I but think like... it was fucking good filmmaking, to be honest. I mean, like they, yeah. he, he like eased you in and he got you invested in the story, and then by the time we got to the actual surgery part... It was it was a case of okay this is this is what needs to happen it was a thing of beauty almost yeah. and it's their art and you're enjoying their art and it was just 
Yeah, okay. Gush, man. Gush, 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 That was the thing I was most worried about. And seeing this film was the surgery part of it. And it turned out to be a total non-event because they somehow manipulate your brain into accepting it. The trailer looks more shocking. I only saw the trailer once. The trailer looks more shocking. I thought limbs were going to be created. I thought it was going to be really, like, fucking... Yeah bizarre but this is i was expecting some fucked up shit and what i got was a quite an interesting detective story almost i still and and we could break down the ending but i think let's leave it up to everybody's imagination of dude i mean you know what uh the one thing i'll say about the ending is this is one cut to black away from being the sopranos (laughs) 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 it it was kind of like it was kind of like wait it's over which is yeah, the I thing was surprised you, too. Well, that's the thing you want people to say at the end of your film. So he's done his job. I thought there was going to be. I thought Kristen Stewart was going to have a surprise storyline where she like steps in, and then there's. I, I didn't know well, what she, to expect. She but... sort of did have a surprise storyline. She like <laughs> she was the psycho that messed with the kid. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, they never did find out exactly what he looked like because she fucked with the kid first. That's right. I yeah. don't know how she, and we don't know how she got in, but she's government. So that's yeah. an implication that they could do that. I, I thought she was going to go under the knife or something. And then no, that's, that's how it ended. It's uh, mm. man. This is definitely a thinker. That was this a little is... bit of a misdirect. Yeah, it was, a, it was definitely a thinker. I, I, I mean, I, and I like it for it. I love what he did. Um, a lot of people are going to walk out of this going, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. But you know what? Ask your friends that you saw it with what the fuck just happened and talk about it. And, and you'll find that, oh, my God, I'm talking about this film that I just watched and I kind of like this. Let's all have yeah. some beers and hang out and talk out. And that's what film's about. Ask ask if you would make out with a skin zipper because I might for the right person. Oh, the skin zipper. Oh, my God. <laughs> the, okay, that one that one got me a little bit because the that pageant thing was kind of like a little storyline in the middle and when she did that it was almost like that that one felt me a little a little bit like he was thinking oh i haven't been cronenberg enough and let's throw some random gore in like that that was the only thing in the movie that felt cheap to me yeah i think they wanted um what was that guy's name it's sort of apparently vigo really wanted to be that other character which is hilarious because that guy had like two scenes yeah um but um I forget what the guy's name is, the other doctor person that he meets. And, and Vigo lets him cut him open and he puts the skin zipper in. Um, I'm with you on the beauty pageant thing, but it's necessary because it, it brought it all to all the storylines were supposed to be it intersecting did. there. And they ended yeah. up intersecting at the autopsy instead. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad we didn't have a beauty pageant because I was like, we don't have time for a beauty pageant. Right. No. So I'm, I'm with you 100 percent that that wasn't necessarily like I don't know if they nailed that that subplot but it's okay well that one scene the subplot itself was fine um but that one scene they didn't nail for me i'm with you but but man but man a fuckable skin zipper is really interesting choice (laughs) damn and And we just recorded jeff saying that so yeah (laughs) i'll have to pull that out for uh tiktok and the socials so Dave, that was, I think it's, that's it's, funny. It's, dude, that, you, it sounded like halfway through Rocky Horror. It's like a mental mind fuck can be nice. <laughs> that's, what this whole, that's what this whole movie is. Hey, you know, a little mind fuck is nice sometimes. It was actually, yeah, it was a bit of a mental mind fuck. I mean, if, if you're a person who loves your films to make you think, you're probably going to enjoy this. I think so, too. Mm. This is really, I'm glad we saw this. I really am. And I hope that uh, David Cronenberg has another one or two in him before he decides to retire for good. Yeah. Um, but and you know what? It. If he goes out on this one, 
good for him. Sure. I am this, with you. This did not suck at all. This did not yeah. suck at all. Well, Dave, <laughs> just like that, we're getting to the end of our episode. So as I, teased, as I teased at the beginning of this episode, we are going to have a mini-sode to talk about all of the movies you've seen on the plane. Some what TV I watched stuff. on the plane. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> please stick around for that. We're going to keep that one short, like 10 or 15 minutes. But is there anything that you would like to recommend in our, as always, what you've been watching segment that we like to end these episodes with? This one's going to come out of left field like a Cronenberg film. Uh, I watched Chippendale Rescue Rangers. <laughs> okay. And? Holy fuck, dude. Only Free Guy, I think, has more references hidden in it than this movie. And they have thought about it. They this are is, fucking clever. I've been hearing about this a lot. Actually, our friends, I'm wearing their fucking merch. I always forget to shout it out. Matt and Mark, our friends. You're I'm wearing, wearing their, their shirt. Wait, how did you get a shirt? How did I get a shirt? I paid for it, man. I support local artists. Oh, Here go. there you go. Oh, that's right. One of them is local now. Uh, we should hang out with him. Uh, <laughs> I tried. He didn't respond for three days, but he said he will next time. He's very busy. He's, He's very got a busy. lot of work. He's very busy living with his mother. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm buzzing in for you. No, Chippendale Rescue cheap, Rangers. Such a dumb, um, cheap shot. Dude, I, mean. I, I want to. I want to tell you, like um, the. There's just some throwaway stuff in the background, and it's not like Space Jam, HBO Max, like throwaway. They're walking through a, they walk into a club, and in the background is Paula Abdul and the cat from the Two Steps Forward video. (laughs) I'm like, this is fucking clever. And there are more of them. There are hundreds more of them. And also the plot line is not bad. And Eric Banner's doing the Australian guy. They finally got an Australian with an Australian accent. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm I'm on board with it. Like, risk, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, give it a look. You'll either, yeah, you'll crack up. You'll crack up. I've heard good things. Is this on Disney Plus? I, yes. I want to say it is, right? Yes, it is. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, this is directed by Akiva Schaefer, who's one of the Lonely Island guys. Which John is Mulaney's why in it. Yeah, well, he's friends with them from SNL. So Andy Samberg, um, <laughs> Kiva Schaefer, yeah. and Dermot Combs in there. Seth Rogen, J.K. Simmons, uh, Rachel Bloom. J- is, is there anything J.K. Simmons is not doing these days? <laughs> well, he, it was voiceover, right? So that was, yeah, yeah. he had fun with that. They have Lumiere's. Yeah, you're right. Anyway, I haven't seen it yet, but I've just been hearing. Keegan-Michael Key, Flula, Will Arnett. Yeah, fuck. Ugly Sonic, you name it. They've got everything. Yes, Ugly Sonic. I showed it to Sonic videos from my students, and they're like, that's Ugly Sonic. And I was like, oh, shit. You guys know this? You're six. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I have a <laughs> I'll recommend one thing, because there's a couple of new things out that I want to talk about in our mini-sode. But if you like Squid Game, I don't know if you knew this, but there was actually a very similar show to Squid Game that is currently on Netflix that came out before Squid Game in 2020 from Japan called Alice in Borderland, which has been renewed for a second season. I don't know when that second season's coming out, but um, three Isn't guys... Is a video game? I want to say yes. I want to say yes, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. It, it, it probably... It, it has to be based on the premise, I mean, if which it was, is great. Three guys in Tokyo are running away from the police, kind of similar to the opening of Squid Game, except he's running away from the mob or something. And then um, all of a sudden, everybody in Tokyo disappears everybody's gone they're hiding in like a bathroom stall and then everybody's gone and then oh my god i can finally catch a train and there's i know right except they never get on a train because (laughs) they never get on a train because um instead they get sucked into these games which are essentially fights to the survival not quite as as no some of them get pretty fucking gruesome so it's very much like squid game you just described the plot of resident evil 5 
And Resident, yeah, yeah, so it's very video game like, <laughs> except they do a good job of making it real. And um, so these people have to fight for their lives in, in these games that appear. And if you, you have to do a game every three days or you die, and they don't know what the end game is. So this is Alice in Borderland on Netflix. Oh, um, so they have a PlayStation Plus membership. How many video game references <laughs> are you going to make? God damn it. <laughs> And that's it for what you've been watching. Anyway, Dave, let's keep the episode short since John and I, you weren't even here and we've had some of our longest episodes of all time. So yeah, two hours and 40 minutes while <laughs> oh, I was gone. Uh, holy crap. <laughs> Whoops. Um, I'm like, how the fuck did you talk about Top Gun for two hours or like an hour and 22 minutes? I actually don't know when I was I was there, so I'm not sure. <laughs> um, Dave, it's a pleasure having you back. Mini-sode, we're going to record now, so we're going to be a little drunk. Can't wait. See y'all soon, film fans. <laughs> <laughs>